We're going to read from Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 21. It's printed in your bulletin uh, for all of you. It's also, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't have a bulletin, you can grab one of those and uh, we will read together. It is a story that is very familiar to many of us. A story that we have probably read dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And so let me open us in prayer and pray that God would renew the joy of this passage in our heart. Gracious God, we come to you today reading this story once again of what you have done to seek us out, Lord, by sending your son, Jesus. Lord, we did not deserve for you to do this, but through your compassion and your mercy and your love, you decided to seek us. You decided to love us. You decided to rescue us. And that's what we celebrate this day. On Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Read along with me. We'll be in Luke chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 21. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And angels of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. You know, when we look at the Christmas passage year and year again, there is so many different layers to this story that we can pick up on. And one of the things we see today is the importance of a name. 
You know, names are very important to us. Names mean something to us. At least to Trish and I, they do. When we named our children, all of them had a specific reason why we named them as we named them. The oldest is Corbin, which comes from the Bible, and it means an offering devoted to God. And it was to mean that his life was to be devoted to God as an offering to God. As joyful sacrifice. Caleb, of course, is a biblical figure from the Old Testament who was a man of great faith that helped take the promised land. Carissa, uh, her name is actually extended from the Greek word charis, which is grace in Greek. Cooper, uh, actually that one doesn't have any meaning. We just like the name. <laughs> we, we had Corbin, Caleb, Carissa, and we knew we had to name a C. We couldn't name him Joe. So... Cooper it was. But even their middle names, all of their middle names are related to their grandparents. John, Jay, Lynn, Paul, and all of those are connected to their grandparents. And so baby names many times have a very important meaning. But titles have important meanings as well, don't they? For example, if we called someone coach or governor or mayor or Mr. President or Daddy or mommy or son or daughter. All these titles tell us a lot about the person, right? It can tell us their education. If they're a doctor, it can tell us their profession. It could tell us their dreams, their goals. It could tell us what they're most passionate about in life. Names and titles mean something and they are very important. Jesus is given many titles throughout his ministry. Son of man, son of God. As we saw last week, the good shepherd. Today we're going to focus on a few that are just right here in Luke chapter 2. If you look and you see in verse 11, verse 10 and 11, it says, The angels said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then you hear three titles given to this baby. Titles that were not yet earned by him, but given to him. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What does it mean that he is Savior? What does it mean that he is Christ? What does it mean that he is Lord? That's what we're going to look at today. And see what these titles might mean that were given to this baby, Jesus. You know, titles are usually earned, right? When you become a doctor, when you become a mommy, when you become a coach, they're earned. But these are given to this child that is not yet potty trained, that drools all over the place, that probably has a funny cone-shaped head, right? These titles are given to him. And what do they mean? Let's look first. This baby is Savior. This word means he is someone who has come to rescue, to deliver, to save people. In the Old Testament, prior to Jesus, this phrase was often used to describe God. Isaiah 43.3, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so the Lord says, this is me, I am a Savior. But what's even more amazing is that God claims exclusive rights to this term. Exclusive rights to the term Savior. Isaiah 43, 11, just a little further down that chapter, he says, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Hosea 13, 4, But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but me, and besides me there is no Savior. So God says, 
I'm it. I am the only Savior there is. And then here are these angels saying to these shepherds, this baby that's not in a palace, that's not in a hotel, that's in a manger, is Savior. Now, I don't know if they had the biblical literacy to understand the magnitude of this, but these angels were claiming that this baby was God. Because only the Lord God is Savior. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the Lord. And that's what he goes on to say, that this baby is not only Savior, but He is also Lord. The word comes from the word kurios. And it means supremacy. It is a master. It is an emperor. It is the one who is in charge. You know, we don't use this term today, but I think if you watch movies like Braveheart that are set in England or in Wales, you know, a couple hundred years ago, you'll hear people referring to the king as my lord, right? It's the person who has dominion over a territory, who has dominion over lies, who is in charge, who is in control. And this baby in hay in a manger is called the Lord. He's in charge of all things. Acts 10 actually makes the audacious claim that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And so Christ is Lord over all of creation. There is not one square inch in which Christ does not claim, this is mine. I am Lord. Jesus is our emperor. He is our king. He is our Lord. But he's also the Christ. This term Christ in Hebrew means Messiah or anointed one. In the Old Testament, God would take people and set them apart for a special purpose. He would anoint them. There are three major offices, we call them, in the Old Testament, which God would anoint people for a special purpose. They were prophets, priests, and kings. And God would anoint them and set them apart for His special mission, for His special purpose. You know, we, we set things aside for special purposes, don't we? For example, if you have known me more than a day, you know that this shirt and this tie means it is an anointed day, right? Because I do not wear this off. I can't tell you how many people want to get their picture with me today simply because I'm wearing a tie. It's set apart for special days. These people were set apart for special purposes. And yet, God says this Christ is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is set apart for the special purpose of becoming our prophet. He is the Word become flesh. He is our priest, not only bringing a sacrifice for our sins, but being the eternal sacrifice to save us for our sins. And He is the anointed King that would rule over all of our life. And so these are the titles given to Jesus, that He is the Christ, that He is Lord, that He is Savior. But there's one more name given to this baby. We read it down in verse 21. At the end of eight days, when He was circumcised, He was called Jesus. Why? The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. If you look a little bit earlier in Luke, you actually see this instance happening between Mary and the angel. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now why, why did the angel want her to name her son Jesus? Jesus was a very ordinary name. Uh, many people would have been named Jesus. Jesus would have known many other Jesuses. If he was in a class, there might have been two or three Jesuses in the class. And so it was a very common name. But it had an extraordinary meaning. The name Jesus means Jehovah is Savior. And the angel says, put this on this child, put this name on this child, because he will redefine this name. He will redefine this name Jesus. He will exemplify this name Jesus. We get a fuller, expanded understanding of this name when the angel appears to Joseph. Matthew 10, 20, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary as your, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus is the long-awaited Jehovah Savior. It would be appropriate that he would be named that because the true Jesus has finally come. The true Jehovah Savior has finally arrived. He is Jehovah Savior. And the question is, what did he come to save? What did he come to save us from? You know, many of the shepherds might have thought that, that, that Jesus was coming to save them from the oppressive Roman armies. But we see right here in this passage in Matthew 1, 20, 21. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And this is such good news for us. That He is our Savior. So how should we respond to this Jesus? How should we respond to this baby Jesus? To these titles that Jesus has been given? You know, a couple years ago, my brother went to his high school reunion. And I asked him, you know, how to go and... Because I don't know about you, but I never want to go to a high school reunion. Personally, I don't, I don't know why. That's just me. But so how to go? And he goes, you know, it's kind of strange. I, why is it strange? He goes, you know, when, when I was in high school, there was that girl, you know, Sally. And she was just the hot girl in Spanish class, right? That's who she was. But now she's a mommy and she has little kids. And it's amazing to see, you know, who she is now. Or, or, or you look and you see, you know, Pete, that guy who, who couldn't quite make any of the sports team, who kind of was a loner, you know, he's a doctor now and he's helping people with cancer and things like that. And so you see people earn these titles and it changes the way we treat them and think about them because they're doing things that are noble and good and worthy. And with Christ, he not only has these titles put upon him, but he exemplifies them. And it should transform the way that we understand this baby Jesus. Our response should be one of praise and amazement. And that's what we see right here. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom His He is pleased. I would have loved to have been there. Wouldn't you? A dark night, everything's quiet, you're sitting around the fire, watching the sheep, some of the shepherds are sleeping, and all of a sudden these heavenly hosts proclaim, Glory to God in the highest. 
And so they are praising Him. And we see the shepherds join in after they go and they visit baby Jesus. They're leaving and it says the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It is appropriate on Christmas that we would praise this baby Jesus. But it is also appropriate in January and in February and in March and in April that we would praise the God who had sent His Son to be our Savior. And so we should respond with praise. We also respond with amazement. I love this verse. It's a verse that's always kind of puzzled me a little bit. And I think it's amazing as you unpack it. Verse 18. Excuse me. Verse uh, 19. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Literally, it's saying that she preserved the words of the shepherds. She preserved the, the remembrances of when the angel visited her. She preserved the remembrance of when she went and visited Elizabeth and John left in her womb. She's preserving all these things in her head and in her heart, treasuring them so she will not forget them. You know, we know what it's like to ponder on things, don't we? You know, some of you may be pondering what this Christmas evening is going to hold. What dinner is going to be, right? If I'm actually going over to someone's house, I'll say, will you just tell me what we're going to eat so I can just fantasize about it all day? Just think about it. That way when I get there, it will taste fantastic. But we ponder things. We think about things. We contemplate them. And this is what Mary was doing. She was storing it in her heart, treasuring Christ. You know, I think this is under attack today with how busy Christmas is, with how busy our lives are. You know, if we have time alone, we're putting it in the iPod, we're turning on the TV, but being still and pondering what it means that Christ has come, that He was born to die for us, that God did not leave us without hope, but sent His only begotten Son. I'd encourage you today to take a moment When things die down, maybe you're driving in the car, maybe the kids are asleep, to sit and consider how amazing Christmas is. You know, for me, it's really hard to do. Maybe for you as well. Just yesterday, and I'll end with this, just yesterday, we did the Christmas gift thing. Kids came down, tree, you know, open gifts. It was a wonderful experience. One of our kids, which will remain unnamed, had a very difficult day, all right? Very difficult day. Crying the whole day. I know that never happens to your kids. Happens to mine. Just crying and screaming and yelling, No! 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 All the time. The whole day. Right? Doesn't happen every day, but this child chose to do it yesterday. Okay? And I tell you what, it is very hard to ponder the Savior when your child is crying and screaming. You know it's bad when you are yelling your prayer at the dinner table just so the other kids can hear, right? Like, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for these guests. Thank you for bringing peace on earth. Amen! Right? That's how you know it's bad. And so we have to be so intentional, don't we? To ponder Christ. To ponder the good news of Christmas, that Jesus came to die for our sins. Jesus came and He is Lord. He is Christ and He is Savior. Let's pray. Gracious God, again, we come to You today confessing 
that is so easy to be distracted during Christmas. Distracted from the most beautiful, glorious, wonderful part of it. That you came to love us. That you came to die for us. God, we pray that you would help us to be like Mary today. To store these things on our heart. To meditate them. To ponder them. To glory in the good news that you did not leave us void of your Son, but sent Him to die for us. We pray today that Christmas would be glorious, not because of the gifts that we have, but because you are a good God who has reached down into earth to pursue and to save us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.